episode 199. Hi, welcome to my mum's show. <laughs> Welcome to this episode of the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast. My name is Julia Hushett and I'm the host of this show. If you are a new listener, then I want to wish you a very big welcome. And if you are a regular, welcome back. Thank you for joining me again today. Can you believe just quickly that we are almost at episode 200? 200! Like... To me, that is mind-blowing and just for me personally, an incredible achievement because when I started this podcast back in 2016, I did not expect that I would have 200 episodes and that I would have a weekly episode every week since then. I mean, I wasn't hoping that I wouldn't, but I just, I think I just didn't even think that far ahead. I was just like, I wanted to start a podcast. There wasn't that much thought behind it. And now here we are, you know, we're here four years later. Crazy. Wow. I'll talk about that more next week anyway, when we actually get to episode 200. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to thank everybody so much as usual for writing to me, for sending me your stories, and of course, for writing podcast reviews. To me, it just means the world because when you have a podcast, you don't always know that other people are listening. You know, you record, you're kind of talking to yourself. And I mean, I I don't, I imagine that I'm actually talking to someone, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm here in my house right now talking to myself. There's no one else here. So you don't know that what you put out there and what you put into the universe and what you put into iTunes and Spotify and all those other podcast apps, is anyone going to listen? Does anyone care? You know, and those reviews mean the world because yeah, it tells me that someone is listening and that's what motivates me to keep going and makes me so happy, puts a smile on my face without a doubt. Every time I'm such a wuss, I usually cry. It just, it means the world to me. So thank you so much for doing that. Today's shout out is to Ashley from Victoria, Australia. And given what she's written in the review, I'm pretty sure I know who this is. And, oh, thank you. So she wrote, I became a first-time mother late October 2019 and a single mum this February when my little man was just three months. He's now six months and Julia's podcast has been there for me on walks with my babe when I'm feeling unmotivated and down and simply for when I'm waiting for a part two or her next update the following week. I love Julia because she's real. She says it how it is. She's genuine and down to earth. She's not afraid to drop the F-bomb. I do a bit this year so far, (laughs) haha. And it's like I'm listening to a close girlfriend and someone I've known for years. The stories from her guest speakers are moving and inspiring. And honestly, after I listen to an episode, I feel empowered, strong, determined and supported by a community of other women and single mums. Most importantly, there's no judgment. Each and every one of us has our own story. I had not and still have not come across any support groups in my regional city, but to be honest, I feel like I don't need one now. I've found my tribe. Cheers, Julia. Honey, 
I'm like 99% sure I know who this is. Thank you so much. Honestly, it just, it means the world to me. I'm going to cry again. Oh God. I feel like I'm just it's very emotional at the moment. Thank you so much. It, it really does mean the world. And, um, I'm so glad that, you know, this podcast has helped you and you have found your tribe. You have, you know, you're in this incredible club of, of amazing women. And, um, I'm, I'm super proud of you. If you haven't yet left a review and you love the show, it would mean the world to me if you could spare a few minutes and write a review if you have the time or even just tapping on the stars if you don't. As I said, it makes me feel motivated and happy. I love reading them and obviously it helps other single mums to find this podcast too. You know, women like Ashley who became a single mum only in February this year, 2020. And I don't know how she found it, but she probably stumbled across it because you guys rate it. It does boost it. And, you know, she she read the reviews and went, oh, this sounds good. I'm going to listen. And look what it's done for her, you know. So that's amazing. And, um, yeah, if you could do that, that would mean the world. Okay, it's time to get into this week's episode. I'm super excited for you to hear this one. Obviously, being a single mum by choice is fresh in my mind at the moment, but I absolutely love what my guest Lisa says in this episode. She's very open and honest and, you know, might say the stuff that isn't always the most popular thing to say and that a lot of people might feel embarrassed to speak about. And I'm just so grateful that she's here, that she's spoken about it so honestly. And I think we can probably all relate to to some of what she's saying. Okay, so let's get into it. Today on the show, I have another single mother by choice. These are always very highly requested. So Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the show today and for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. (laughs) So am I. And my pleasure. So uh, this is actually, uh, I don't know if you know, but I like getting more and more interested in this because I actually just put myself on the sperm donor waiting list. So I'm very excited to hear sort of your 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 story so as a bit of an intro tell us a little bit about you uh how old are you where do you live that sort of thing okay um I'm Lisa so I'm 35 and I live in Perth Western Australia I had my um son Teddy though when I was 33 right okay so that was two years ago so he's two now and uh he is 17 months oh 17 months okay did I just work that maths out really wrong no, <laughs> no, you probably didn't. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so how old were you when you started thinking about the single mother by choice path? Um, I guess when I was around 30, I, I guess I'd always thought that if I hadn't found a partner, I still wanted to be a mum. Yeah. And I sort of always sort of knew, even when I was probably in my 20s, that I would try and have a child on my own um, if I hadn't found someone. But I didn't really know much about it. And it was always just sort of a thought that was there. Um, Then when I think I was around 30, I think I read an article or something on the news about like lack of sperm donors. Right. And how people were wanting to have a child, but the sperm just wasn't available to do that. And then I thought, well, maybe I should be doing something about this because I didn't want to get to uh, a place where I wanted to you know, I decided I wanted to have a child on my own, but there 
wasn't a swim available or I'd have to, you know, wait a while for it. Yeah. So when I turned 31, um, I decided just to start investigating the process um, and what it would involve. So I honestly didn't really know much about being a single mother by choice. Um, I had no idea that Instagram pages were out there in forums about people that were trying to do this. I know all this now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but back then I had no idea. So I sort of just chose the fertility clinic that was closest to home and, and made an appointment um, and off I went. <laughs> That's amazing. So when you told, yeah. did you tell your family and your friends what you were doing? So at that at that stage no so I told my my mum and my dad yeah um they were always very supportive of that um but at that stage I only had told them I I don't think I told anyone else had you not really made the decision you're just like I'm gonna go I'm gonna suss it out and I'll think about it yeah I'll I'll just see what it's all about Uh, it can't hurt and if anything just sort of you know get on a wait list yeah. for sperm, so to speak, and, and just see what happens. So I went to my first appointment um, at the clinic. I met with a facility specialist who, I guess I was only 31 at the time, and he was a bit like, well, you know, you're still really young. You could meet someone. But I was like, no, no, no. Um, I, you know, I want to go ahead and just investigate this more um, and, and see what happens. Yeah. So what I had to do was meet with him that all went fine and then I had to do two counselling sessions um, that were six months apart. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely say if you're wanting to, to try to keep that in mind, it's not as straightforward as just, well, in Perth anyway, yeah. as just going and rocking up and getting a sperm and then off you go. There is quite a process that you have to go through. Um, so I did the first counselling session pretty much straight away and then six months, well, nothing really happened. Just had to wait the six months. Um, and then they did the second counselling session after that. And at what point did you know that it was definitely what you wanted to do? Like was it um, after that first appointment or was it when you did the counselling? I guess I still didn't really know at, at that point in time. I thought I'm just going to go through with kind of the whole process, the process. potentially up until trying for, trying for a child. Um, so it is, you know, it, it's it's a lot of money that you're sort of outlaying at the yeah. start because, you know, you are paying money to see the doctor, money for the counselling, um, and then, you know, money eventually for the sperm, I suppose, without really knowing if you're ever going to go through with it. Yeah, but I guess it's good to just have that insurance kind of. In that's case. what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I wanted. Um, so I did the two counselling sessions. I met back with the doctor again. I said I was still keen to, you know, proceed to the next step. Are you already on the list at this point? No. So all I'd done was the counselling sessions. Right, okay. Um, and then when I said, look, I'm still wanting to sort of go through with um, the next stage, and so that was meeting with the um, donor, like the sperm donor coordinator, and starting to look at um, donor profiles from there. Oh, so there wasn't actually a wait list? No. So at that time, no, there wasn't. My clinic had. I think I was given five profiles to look at. So three were um, like Australian sperm donors and two were international from America. Um, So she gave me those to look at and you can look at them and 
um, you don't have to accept any of the ones that they give you. If I didn't, you know, if you don't like any of the ones that you yeah. see, you can just say no and then you wait for, I guess, the next batch to come through and then you get to look at look at those. And how long does it take for the next batch? I couldn't tell you because of the five I was given, I chose one of those. Okay. And how did you um, make that decision? Was it quite clear? Did you have a sort of intuition thing like this is the one or were you basing it on various personality factors or...? You don't with the with the Australian ones. You don't get much information, so it's literally like their age, eye color, hair color, ethnicity, um, their parents' ethnicity, and I think it was a couple of things about um, what their likes are, what their interests are, and just a bit about why they wanted to donate. Um, look, I suppose maybe I was a bit naive at the time. I didn't put a lot of I don't think I put a lot of thought into it. I just knew that I wanted to have a child. I guess particular characteristics weren't that important to me. So I suppose I just chose the one that I thought was maybe best suited for me. But there's nothing really in particular about why I chose them. I thought, okay, I'll just choose this one. Yeah. You know, on paper it looks fine yeah. and, and we'll just go with that. And did any um, family come with you to make that decision or were you on your own? I uh, know. So what they do is they e- the um, coordinator emails you these profiles and you've just got, you know, your own time in your to own house to, yeah, to go through them. Um, so that I didn't consult anyone um, about it. I just looked at them and thought, you know, I, I really I want to have a, a child. I'm just going to choose this one. Um, I know a lot of people probably put a lot more kind of thought into it and look for a lot more different things. But at the time, that was that was just the one that, that I chose. It's really interesting because I, I think I would probably overthink it. But after having spoken to Krista a couple of weeks yes, ago yep. on my show, she was saying like that people overthink it. It's just it's really not the most important thing at all. So I think I'm, I might actually look at it with a different angle. But I suppose if you're not really yeah. given that much information anyway, like... You're not given you much at all. You yeah. you kind of just have to have to go with it. And I know, I like I said, now I realise there's so many forums and blogs and things out there for, for single mothers by choice. And I do, sometimes I do read through some of them. And people do put a lot of thought into it. And I think if that's what you need to do to feel comfortable with your choice... Yeah. Then by all means, um, like for me, for me personally, it, I guess it just wasn't that important. It was having a child or, or the potential to have a child that was important to me. Um, and so that's sort of what I, what I went with. <laughs> that's fantastic. And can I ask, you don't have to tell me which one you went with, but when you compared the overseas with the Australian, did the overseas sperm donors, did they have more information about them, did they? Yes, so um, I I went with a, a an Australian one. It's literally one page of very sparse information. Um, basically, just what I said that you can choose from is is what you get. Yeah. Um, the ones from America were a lot more detailed. Um, I think there was maybe fifty odd pages of information. It was a wow. lot. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, it was it was so much information. Um. Like any anything you want about like their characteristics, you got to see a photo of what they looked like as a child. Did you get photos with the Australians? 
no, you get nothing. No. Really? Um, I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah, so the American ones I could look at was, you know, um, how well they did at school, what they're doing now, what they're, you know, all everything about their parents, lots of information about, you know, their siblings, their nieces, their nephews, um, you know, how many children their sister or brother had, cousins. It was just, it was a lot oh. of information. So is that standard for all around Australia? Do people normally get American and Australian options? Um, to be honest, I'm really not too sure. I know that my clinic, um, that was that was the option. I'm not too sure what other clinics clinics do, but I mean, I do think, I think America has a lot of sperm donors. So I'd say probably most clinics will have access to international donors um, if people wanted to pursue that. The thing with my clinic, though, I think it's the same for a lot of them, is American sperm is a lot more expensive. Okay. So that was around $10,000. Wow. Um, the Australian sperm I used, it was $3,000. So there is also quite a big price difference yeah. in what you get. So for the money that I paid for the sperm, you got essentially, I guess, sort of five tries at being pregnant or trying to get pregnant. So I got three, you got three tries, no, sorry, two tries at doing what they call, I think, the IUI, so essentially sort of artificial insemination, mm-hmm. and then you get three rounds of IVF. So that's what I purchased. So if you don't get pregnant after the two IUI attempts, do they recommend that you do IVF? Um, well, I, I ended up having to do, I ended up, going through the two IUIs and then having to do the IVF. Um, I had to because that's the sperm that I had. Right. I only had enough for two because for I guess for artificial insemination you need a lot more sperm. For IVF you need very little. Right. Um, and I can explain more about that later. So, yes, after I did the two rounds of the artificial insemination and that didn't work, um, I had to go to IVF. But different clinics may, may do different things and I think it's yeah. um, more around how much sperm there is available. So that's just what I had available right. um, for me. Yeah. Okay, so when you did the, I, the two IUIs, how far apart did you do those? Okay. Oh, okay. So I can go back a bit. So after I chose a sperm donor, I just chose to not do anything after that. So I just chose to um, sit on keep the sperm while. frozen yeah, yeah, okay. and sit on it. So I, I purchased the sperm. It was mine and it was mine to use whenever I wanted to, to use it. So I think I waited another nine months after that before I started to try. I wanted to be in a better financial position. And what I wanted to do, because I've been at my work, I'd been at my work at that point for over nine years I wanted to try and get to basically be at work and pregnant by the time I hit the 10-year mark yeah um because then I'd be entitled to long service leave yep and then I could have more time yeah then I could have more time off work yeah um after I had a child so I had to wait a couple months to in order to do that so I think I waited another nine more months um and then I started I started to try to, to have a child. Fantastic. Yeah. And so at what point, when you, met, when you picked the sperm, was that really when you were like, okay, 
I'm going to do this. Pretty much. I thought, you know, if when I decided I wanted to try, if, you know, I was still single and I still really wanted to, to have a child, then, then I would do it. Yes. And were you dating as well during this time? No, no, I wasn't. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. No. So, yeah, so I got to, I think it was November 2017. Yeah, November 2017 um, that I decided to to start trying. Oh, my gosh. So exciting. Um, So did you tell anyone else at that point or was it It just your mum and dad? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think at that point – I told my mum and my dad knew and I had told three other friends. And were they all excited or how did they sort of react? Yeah, look, everyone, everyone, my two friends, yeah, they're, they're like, was my three friends, sorry, they were really excited for me and really yeah. happy. Um, at the time, another one of my friends, she was going to try again to have her second child. So it was sort of like, well, she has a husband. Um, yeah. It was sort of like, you know, we're trying together. Yes. Um, to, yeah, to have a baby. So... It was, yeah, looking back, it, it was really exciting. It was nerve-wracking but exciting um, at the same time. Um, so I did my first round of the IUI, which is the artificial insemination, uh, in November 2017. Um, and I can explain a bit about what IUI is. Yes, go, yeah, go right ahead. We've talked about it before, but someone might be listening who hasn't had that background so yeah go ahead sure um okay explain it as best I can so essentially it's just sort of like artificial insemination so when you ovulate every month you have I think like one or two um follicles that that grow and eventually those follicles will have eggs inside them um so with IUI you want to make sure that that definitely happens um so you take uh, a low dose of fertility drugs to make sure that you do have follicles um, that will grow. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I did injections into the stomach um, for about two weeks. And during that time, you go in for blood tests. So they monitor, I guess, your hormonal levels. And you also go in for ultrasounds so that they can just check and make sure that you have follicles that are growing. Um, now, sometimes the drugs will cause you to overstimulate, so you'll have too many follicles that have got big enough to potentially produce an egg. And at that point, you wouldn't kind of go through with the next step because it increases the chances of multiple births. Um, but look, in my case, I had, I think, just, yeah, one or two follicles that had gotten big enough to basically produce an egg. So at that point, you give yourself what's called a trigger injection and then you go in back into the clinic, I think like 36-odd hours later after you give the injection um, to be artificially inseminated. So the trigger basically tells your body to or the follicles to release an egg and the timing is done that hopefully the eggs are released and the sperm basically inseminated with the sperm and you hope that the sperm meets those eggs and something happens so I did that and then you just wait you're inseminated and then you just you wait um for two weeks and then you you, essentially you you should you should wait for about two weeks and you should go back in and have a blood test and that will tell you if you're pregnant or not 
Yes, but in the meantime, of course, you've also done many pregnancy tests at home, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I never did. I never did. I, I know a lot of people do. That's so strong. Um, I think I'd be like, I never <laughs> <day> did. <one. laughs> <laughs> I did. I did it because I was always sort of like, well, if you don't know, there's still hope. Yeah. If, you, if I did a test and say it's straight negative, then I kind of felt like the hope would be lost. Yeah. Um, so, no, I actually, I never did that. Um, but I was meant, so I think nearly two weeks had passed and at that point I was meant to go back in on a Monday to have the blood test to tell me if I was pregnant or not. But on the Friday I got my period. Oh, um, that must yeah, have been such a letdown. That was a letdown because I really wanted to get to having the blood test and then hearing if I was pregnant or not. Yeah. Um, so I got my period and I think I think actually we got a bio-pregnancy test and it came back negative. Mm. And then on the Monday I went in for a blood test anyway and they said it was negative, but I already had known that. I already yeah. knew I wasn't pregnant. Um, it was pretty devastating, <laughs> I have yeah. to say. I can imagine, um, yeah. You spend... A, you know, it's a lot of money to get to that point. Yes. And it kind of felt like well, it was for nothing. Yeah. Because nothing had eventuated. Um, and it was Christmas and I thought, it's Christmas time. Of course I'll be pregnant at Christmas and it'll be a Christmas miracle. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't to be. Yeah. And then I think in February of the following year, um, I did the same thing again. So you had you waited three months? I had to wait, I think because Christmas the clinic had closed down and then just timing it with my period, it was yeah. late January, early February okay. um, when I could try again. Okay. Um, so I did the IUI, the, the artificial insemination again, um, and that time I felt pregnant. Yeah, which was exciting. Yes. And did you um, wait again then, until you got the blood test? Yes, I did. I, I did wait. Um, so I waited my two weeks and, you know, I didn't get a period and I was like, this is so exciting. Um, trying not to get my hopes up, but I thought, okay, I've made it to getting the blood test. Um, let's see what happens. And I did the blood test and it came out pregnant. Wow. Yeah. which that must was have been so exciting. It was unbelievably exciting. It was it was like all your dreams had come true all at once. Yeah. Now you could see your future. It was, it was really just amazing. I was so happy. Yeah, um, yeah I, I can't describe how, how exciting it was. It was really just amazing. Yeah. Um, but then unfortunately a couple of days later I was out with a friend. We were doing, we were doing a swap meet <laughs> of all things. Um, so we'd already organised to go and do that. So I um, went to the swap meet with her. It was really early in the morning um, and I started to bleed. Oh. Um, and I thought, oh, this must be that implantation bleeding that everyone speaks about that's happening. And I thought, you know, it just has to be that, it has to be that. You know, it can't be, it can't be anything else. And all through the swap meet, I, kept, I remember I kept running back to the toilet <laughs> and this wasn't a friend that knew I've been trying to have a baby. And did you tell her that day or were you just like? I didn't. I think yeah. she thought, she said afterwards when I eventually, this is like months, months later when I was pregnant, when I was pregnant again, yeah. she, and I said to her, do you remember when I was running back to the toilet all the time? She just thought I had a UTI. 
Oh, really? <laughs> That's why I kept running off to the loo. Um, I kept running back just to, you know, see what was happening. Yeah. Um, was I still bleeding? Um, but I was. And it's, yeah. How disappointing. I'm the sorry. long story short, it turns out, yeah, I had a miscarriage, um, oh, which was, yeah, it was, that was completely devastating. You know, you have the highest of highs and then just the lowest of lows. What did you do um, that day? Were you, did you make, ring them and sort of, did they get you to come back in for another chest or? I just, I remember I just, because I, I just stayed, I was just at home. I went out and bought a home pregnancy test and thought, you know, I'm just going to see what happens. And it came back negative. Oh. Um, and I was like, I don't really know what to do. Um, I was due to go in the next day anyway to have a blood test just to check my pregnancy levels. Yeah. Um, so I waited for the next day. I went back in and yet they confirmed that I wasn't pregnant. Um, yeah. And that was, that was, that was really, that was actually, it was really devastating. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I can imagine. Gosh. Yeah, I guess, I mean, like for anyone out there that's that's had a miscarriage or, you know, a stillbirth or anything like that, it's like everything I imagined had just gone. Um, and I was completely devastated. I honestly didn't know how I would come back from that. Yeah. Um, and I knew if I had to try again, I'd have to do IVF. Um, and I just kind of couldn't get my head around that I couldn't get my head around being trying to be in a really like positive place yeah I really wanted to be in a positive place to try again and I just thought I could never never get back there but I guess I did yeah um I did it took it took you know it took took a bit but I did get back and I thought I'm thinking well I'm more positive now I went back in to see the fertility specialist and he confirmed I'd have to go and do IVF and I said, okay, um, like I will do that. And so in April, April 2018, I, um, yeah, I started IVF. Um, and I was very lucky. I got, I ended up having five embryos or five, yeah, five embryos um, at the end of my IVF. Um, and so I froze, I've got four of them that are frozen. And did they ask you if you uh, wanted to p- put one or two in? Um, they didn't ask, but, um, they had said they would only put back in one cause it was, so the embryos are graded. So I think like A to F. Um, so the five that I had left were either A or B quality. So they were really good quality embryos. Um, I did have some others that were like E and F grade that just, they never came to anything. I think because I had, because I think because I was young, um, I don't think I had anything wrong with me um, fertility wise and I had a really good embryo. They just put the one back in. Yeah. Um, And I would have said one anyway. I didn't want to, I did not want to try. (laughs) I didn't want to try and put any more than one back in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. but yeah, look, this I was really lucky. Um, again, I waited the two weeks, went in and had the blood test, and it showed I was pregnant. Oh, and yeah, and then just looking at the pregnancy, like the hormone levels, my levels were a lot higher than they were the last time. Oh, really? So what does that usually mean? Like stronger, better chance, or I think so. Yeah. Um, I think it just shows there's more pregnancy hormone in your body. 
which I guess is a, a good thing. Yeah. And then after that, you go in two or three times a week to have regular blood tests at the clinic just so they can monitor it and make sure that the levels are all rising nicely. And again, I was lucky my levels rose as they should. Um, and it's seven weeks. I went for an ultrasound and I got to see the heartbeat. So nice. Um, and then you're sort of discharged and you graduate from the clinic. How um, exciting. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And luckily at the ultrasound, it showed just uh, one fetus, <laughs> which was lucky because I guess there's always a chance that the embryo could split into two. Yep. Um, and then that's how you, it's one way of how you get twins. And you were like, um, no way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, my pregnancy hormone levels had been very high. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, and they, I thought, oh God, could it be twins? And even the lady who, the sonographer who did the ultrasound at seven weeks said, oh, you know, your blood levels are very high. I wouldn't be surprised if there are twins. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you want to have any more kids, just not both at the same time or just one? Um, right now I'm very content with, with the one child. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I see two kids. <laughs> it's a lot um, of work on your own. It is, yes. Um, but at the time I was very pleased just to see the one heartbeat. Yeah. Um, and then, it, look, it, honestly, it was pretty smooth sailing after that. Um, nothing terribly exciting happened during my pregnancy it was it was pretty standard and did you did you sort of I mean I'm sure you considered this before you even got pregnant but did it more sort of hit home to you like I'm gonna raise a child on my own were you excited about that or worried or how did you feel about that look looking back I think god I was just so naive (laughs) um obviously yes you know you're gonna raise a child on your own but I didn't really think much of it. I thought, oh, yeah, I can do this. I thought, you know, I, I don't know what it's like to raise a child with someone else. Yeah. So raising a child by myself will just be like it is what it is type yeah. thing. And that's sort of the attitude <laughs> that I had. Yeah. Um, looking back, I probably should have realised essentially how hard it was going to be. But at the time it was... I just didn't really think much much of it. Yeah. Um, no, I felt after probably the first 14 weeks, I felt pretty good um, in my pregnancy. And so I was just really enjoying being pregnant. Um, and potentially that's why it was such a shock to me to then not be pregnant all of a sudden. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? You're pregnant and suddenly yeah. not and you've got this baby and you're like, you were just there and now you're here. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you feel uncomfortable explaining anything at work? Like, did were there questions? I don't know how personal it is at work with your your relationships with your colleagues, but did they know that you were single and then suddenly you were pregnant? And were they like, "What's happening?" Like, was that awkward? Yeah, for you or not? <laughs> no. I mean, I feel like it was awkward in the fact that I don't really like the attention. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, any, anyone being pregnant yeah. or anyone having something interesting, you know, getting engaged or getting pregnant or, you know, whatever it might be yeah. causes attention to them. Yeah. Um, so I, was, I wasn't 
concerned at what people would say or and necessarily like that, but I just didn't want all the attention being focused on me. Yeah. Um, so of the three people that knew, so three people and my boss knew that I was trying to have a baby. Then I told them when I was pregnant. Um, and then I waited until 12 weeks to tell anyone else. Yeah. I kind of just wanted to have the scan again, you know, confirm that there was still a baby there because mm-hmm. I had been very anxious about having a miscarriage again. Like what yeah. if something happens? I didn't want to get my hopes up because it was just so devastating before. And I thought I know if I could, you know, get through that devastation again if something were to happen. So when I had the 12 week scan and um it showed I was yet yeah, still pregnant and um the baby was fine, then I decided to tell everyone else. Um but it I guess what I, what I chose to do was there were certain people I told one-on-one. Yeah. Um, I had two friends who I knew were also trying to have a baby and they've been trying for longer than me and they hadn't fallen pregnant. And did um, they friend partners? Pers- yes, yes. So yeah. I don't know anyone. Yeah, I don't know, didn't know anyone else at all who had ever done anything like this. Yeah, so they had husbands. Yeah. Um, and one friend in particular had been trying for five or six years. Oh, gosh. And she'd gone to you know, the same fertility clinic as I did. She'd had IVF and, you know, she'd done all of that and she still wasn't pregnant. Um, so hard. So she was one of the, yeah, so, I mean, she she does have a child now, um, born a couple months after my son. Oh, um, but at, yeah, but at the time, you know, I told her one-on-one. Um, because I didn't want it to be a, a shock or surprise to her yeah. if she started hearing it from other people. Um, and then, yeah, I, I told one person at work who likes to chat and gossip a bit. Did you and I said, tell whoever, <laughs> yeah, I said, tell whoever you want. Because um, I just thought it was really awkward to people go, oh, what's new? And then you just go, oh, I'm pregnant. I just, yeah. thought, that, I just thought that'd be so awkward to do that. Yeah. Um, so I told this one person and he told everyone else and <laughs> that's kind of how it got around. <laughs> so funny. Um, I work in a hospital. I work in a really big workplace, um, but he was good. He, he told everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Then people would just come up to me and be like, oh, yes, it's true. Um, <laughs> but everyone I told was, was really happy for me. That's so good. Everyone thought it was completely amazing. They're like, oh, you'd be such a good mum. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, so all I really got was, yeah, really positive reactions uh, from people. It's so good. I feel like it's just going to become more and more common now, I think. Oh, absolutely. Ten years ago or something, it was like no one probably knew anyone that had done it and now I can think of like three or four friends that have done it, you know, like yeah. and, yeah, we all just meet people and it's just becoming so normal. Which is yeah, great. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Um, at the time, I didn't know anyone that had done this. Yeah. Um, so I was sort of the only one. I have a lot of friends that have kids, um, but they all have partners or, or have husbands. Um, so, yeah, I was sort of the, the only one. But after it got out, it was everyone was really happy for me. I was really happy. Um and it was also, yes, it, again, it was all just sort of a really sort of smooth sailing pregnancy from, from there. I really enjoyed, so before I really enjoyed being pregnant. 
Um, I didn't sort of have any of the ailments that other people talk about. Yeah. Um, you know, like sore bodies or tired or all this kind of thing. I actually felt completely fine. Um, the only the only thing uh, probably only thing was was that I wasn't very hungry, which was a bit disappointing. I sort of said had said to myself, if you want to eat macas <laughs> every day, you're just going to do it because you're eating. You know, you're only two. only yeah <laughs> eating for two. You may only go through this once. Just enjoy doing all the bad things that you never did before. Because before <laughs> I would eat salad every day. I'd go for a run or go to the gym pretty much every day. And was that just thought, your you know life what? normally or was that yes. to get in the no, lead up to having a baby? No, that was just my life normally. Right. Um, I like to exercise and stay fit and, yeah, I eat yeah. salad every day. Yeah. Um, anyone at work, my workplace could tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'm just going to let myself go, indulge in whatever <laughs> I want to eat, except the only thing I wanted, I, I wasn't hungry. And then when I was hungry, I only wanted to eat cucumbers and carrot sticks. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> it was just terrible. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, but the only thing was is that I guess I didn't put on a lot of weight during the pregnancy. Yeah. I probably only put on five or six kilos at the end of it. I was wow. all baby. Yeah. Um, but I think the doctors were a bit concerned. I had regular scans just to make sure that he was growing. Yeah. Um, and I had a scan on Christmas Eve and they had sort of said, oh, look, we think maybe your placenta has stopped working. The baby you know, hasn't grown much since the last scan. And what were you then, about seven months or something? No, by, no Christmas Eve I was, I was 38 weeks. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so everything was tracking fine apart from me just not eating much and him and not putting on much weight and him perhaps not being as big as what he should have been. Yeah. So on Christmas Eve at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I had a scan and they said, you know, we think you need to go up to the birthing suite in the hospital just to get checked out a bit more Um, because baby definitely hasn't grown as much as should have. Yeah. Um, So went up to the birthing suite and they basically said, well, you need to be induced. Oh, we'd like really? to get the baby out. Yeah. <laughs> we'd like to get the baby out, you know, sooner rather than later. Um, and I thought, oh no, I can't can't do this. I'm not prepared. I don't have any of my stuff. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I like have to my be hospital organized. bag. Where's my list? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like to be organized. All my stuff is at home. Yeah. Um, but luckily they said, you know, if you want to wait, come back on boxing day. Oh, good. Um, and we'll induce you then. Um, and so I said, Oh, okay then. <laughs> So I got to have Christmas at home and then I went back on Boxing Day and they basically started, started, me, started me being induced. Um, but then that sort of went wrong. I don't know. I started to feel really, really sick um, and the baby started to, be, started to be, become in distress. And so they stopped that. Um, but in the meantime, the doctor sort of just kind of broke my waters while she was down there. And then she was like, oh, okay, now you're in labor. And I thought, oh, okay. Um, and I sort of said, well, what happens now? And she's like, you know, you just kind of wait to have your baby. And then I said, oh, well, how long is that going to take? <laughs> As in at home? Um, or stay no, at the no, no, sorry. No, no, no. Sorry. I was at the hospital. Yeah. Stay at the hospital. Um, cause it was quite, it was kind of quiet. It was Christmas. There was no one really there. 
Yeah. And I said, okay, so this was maybe like three o'clock in the afternoon. And I said, well, how long is it going to take? And I said, it's your first child. It's going to be hours before you go into labor. And I said, oh, okay. Um, and my mum was with me. Um, and she'd come to all my appointments and she wanted to be there for the birth. And because we kind of hadn't been expecting this to happen, normally if you're induced, say if you're induced, they start the induction. Then they said, you know, you'll stay in the hospital overnight, come back the next day and we'll see what's happening. So my mum had just been there to just sit with me. She was going to go home and then just come back the next day at some point. Yeah. Um, but then they said, oh, no, you're in labour. It'll, it'll, take, it'll take hours. So I kind of said to my mum, oh, you know, you just go home and feed the dogs and have some dinner and, you know, come back at nine o'clock that night or something. Yeah. And we'll see where we're at. Um, so she, off she went and I just kind of stayed there. Um, but then I started getting contractions and it all happened really, really quickly from there. Um, but I, again, I was very naive. (laughs) I stupidly didn't really realize what was happening. I was having these big, sharp shooting pains, but I didn't really think much of it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, which is kind of stupid looking back now. Um, and I'd had notes about, you know, I'd gone to, I'd gone to antenatal class. I had these notes about, um, you know, what to do when you're in labour. But my notes were in my bag, which I couldn't reach because I was stuck on the bed <laughs> and in lots of pain. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of just like lying there. I think about five o'clock the nurse came back and said, oh, you look very uncomfortable. I said, oh, I'm very, very uncomfortable because um, I was basically just lying flat on my back. There was a strap around my belly like monitoring the baby. Yeah. So I couldn't really move. And she goes, Oh, we'll just get you we'll just get you up onto um the fitball. I said, Oh, that'd be great. She goes, Look, we'll just say what's happening, you know, down there first. So she looks and she goes, Oh, you're nine centimeters dilated. And I said, wow. Oh, what does that mean? <laughs> she says, It means you're gonna have your baby. I said, Oh, like really soon? And she goes, Yes, really soon. I said, Oh, am I gonna get my mum? <laughs> Yes. So I'm on the phone. I'm like, mum, you've got to come back to the hospital now. I'm going to have the baby. <laughs> and my mum's like, okay, okay. So then I hang up the phone and then I said to the nurse, oh, so, you know, can I have my epidural now? And, and she goes, like, it's, it's too, too late. late. <laughs> she goes, it's too, I was like, oh, my God. Um, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, so eventually my mum got there just in time, probably about 10 minutes after yeah. my mum got back to the hospital. I like was was pushing and, and really in labor then wow. um yeah and then he was he was out in basically two and a half hours after it all started so My it was very goodness. very quick yeah That's it was incredible. very quick <laughs> it was Gosh. really quick you're so um, funny I can't believe you're like in labor this whole time you're like this kind of hurts like and I'll just lie yeah. here with this scruff on me and <laughs> just won't cause any yeah, but problems look, and wait till they come but I was still <laughs> I know, I was, oh, looking back, I like, God, you're so stupid. Um, I, I was still <laughs> texting my friends. Because like, when you have contractions, it's a lot of pain, but then nothing. Yeah. So the parts where it was like nothing, I was like, still just texting my friends. Oh, yeah, I'm in hospital. I'm in labor. La, la, la. <laughs> Not really thinking again much of it. I had no idea what to expect. Um, but, yeah, then to be told you're sort of nine centimeters and you're going to have a baby and you can't have your epidural, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, no, that's um, terrible. But the, it all worked out all right. It all worked out all right in the end. And then I had my baby. Yeah. Oh, and did you know you were having a boy? I did know I was having a boy, yes. Yeah. What, yep, what, I knew I was what having point a boy. did you find out? 
uh, at my 20 week scan, yeah, I I found out I I really wanted I wanted to know what what it was. I don't like surprises. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be as prepared as I could. Yeah. So yeah, the twenty week scan, yes, I found out that he was a boy. Um, which I was really shocked about. Oh really? I remember the well the sonographer. Well, I know it's only fifty fifty chances either. Um, but the sonographer said, It's a boy and I said, I don't know what to do with a willy. Oh. <laughs> Can't believe I'm growing um, a penis. Yes. <laughs> Cause in my mind I'm a girly girl. In my mind I was always having a girl. Um so yeah, then to have a boy, I was like, oh my god! Um, but it's been—he's amazing. So yeah, it's all worked out. It's all worked out. That's um, amazing. I love the name Teddy. It's so cute. Yeah, yeah. It took me two that Well, Teddy was my first choice, but I thought when I saw him, I would feel something. Like I would feel, oh, he's definitely Teddy. Yeah. Or I feel something, or he's either Teddy or he's not a Teddy. Um, but then two days passed and. Look, I think I was just in a bit of shock. Being pregnant was was enjoyable and easy, and then suddenly to not be pregnant—I think I said before—to not be pregnant, yeah, was so um, shocking. You've got this demanding just, little person who like wants stuff all yeah. the time, <laughs> never <Yeah>. stops <laughs> forever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I found that yeah, just in, incredibly shocking. Um, I think it was just a number of days for like the, the, I was in hospital for two days. I think it was just a number of days. Yeah. Um, Such a big change. Just, it, it was, it was a huge, yeah, a huge change for me. Um, and then yeah, after two days we went home and I was on my own and that's, I think it sort of fell apart a bit for me. Oh, did you? Um, I just, I had no conception. Like everyone said, you know, if, if you know, it's really hard. And I, I, in my head I was thinking, yeah, it's hard, but it's hard for you. It's not going to be that hard for me. Um, but it was completely, completely hard. Um, it just, in, in the, like, looking back in the best way, but at the time I just thought, you know, what is going on here? My life is completely different and I have no control over it. You know, that's, I think, a huge thing. You sound very similar to me in that you like to be organised and you've got your lists and you know yep. you want to know what's happening <laughs> and that kind of thing. Yep. When you have a baby, all of that stuff is thrown out the window because you cannot yep. schedule anything. You don't know when they're going to do something. You don't know how many hours of sleep you're going to get. You don't even know if you're going to get to have a shower that day. And yeah. it's like, <laughs> what is happening? Like it, it, you feel completely out of control. It's really scary. Yeah. Yep. And I remember... Everyone would say, you know, just enjoy the moment. It's the best time. And looking back now, it was amazing. But at the time, I thought I'm just way too over my head. I thought, you know, what what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> there is no there is no going back from this. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you you love your child, and I loved him so much. Of course. But at the same time, I just thought, my God, it was just the hardest thing and probably the first four months I found just extremely extremely hard um looking back now I think how did I survive how did I survive that time um because like I was on my own I went back and stayed at my own house um I think I clearly underestimated um not having someone else there with me 
the practical side of things, I think what was okay, like I could manage that. I think the emotional and mental side of things, even just having, you know, having someone else there to say, well, I don't know why they're crying either, but, you know, we're in this together and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. That's one of the things I felt the hardest is, you know, trying to, to muddle my way through when it's just me. Yeah. And trying to have the answers when it's it's just it's just you. And I'm very lucky I had some wonderful friends who supported me and helped me and answered any questions that I had. Um but yeah, that's one of the things I definitely did underestimate was just how hard that would be. And I think parenthood for, for anyone, not just not just for me and not just being by myself. I think having a child for anyone if you've got a partner or, or a huge support system or whatever you have is is still pretty hard. <laughs> it's very hard. It's so hard. Yeah. And doing um, it on your own, I think, I mean, it's even harder. Yeah, it, it's an easy, some, some, in some ways it's been easier and other ways it's just been been harder. Because definitely the first four months I just had no idea what I was doing. I was like, thought we were just barely surviving each day. Um, but then eventually, yeah, things got better yes, and easier. He became more predictable. Um, and I think I just started to find my groove a bit yeah, and to be okay with not being okay and not being in control and just trying to take things day by day and just winging it a lot of the time. That's amazing. I mean, I was going to ask you if you had any advice for um, any single mums who might have gone through the same thing and maybe that's maybe that's it, to just take it day by day and know that it'll pass. Yes. I think for any for any new parent it's just to take things day by day and just to, I really had to lower my expectations of myself as well. Yes. You know, you can't do it all. You can't look after a child and have a shower every day and eat well and have a clean house. Yeah. All the things I really <laughs> like to do before I thought, you know, let's just all get through the day in one piece. Yeah. And it'll have it'll have been a successful day. And exactly. That's a win. As hard as it is to say, because even now I'm like, oh, but um, you know, it doesn't matter if your house is dirty or the dishes in the sink or the laundry hasn't been done. You know, all the carpets haven't been vacuumed, or you know, you're not eating that salad that maybe you should be. Yeah, who cares? It's, it's all okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go for the Uber Eats. It's fine. Yes, <laughs> it's it's um, it's all okay. Oh, I love that. You know, thank you for being so honest because I think it's something that probably isn't discussed, and I think it's probably could be considered shameful. If you, you oh, know, yeah. you've tried so hard to have this baby and then suddenly like you're like, shit, have I made the right choice? Yeah. Like this is harder than I thought. Admitting yeah, that absolutely. is huge. Like admitting that you struggled and like I think, you know, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. And there were definitely times I thought, yeah, shit, what have I done? Mm. You know, I can't put you back where you came from. Yeah. I thought, you know, why can't I be pregnant again? Being pregnant was just so easy yeah. and so lovely. This new reality sometimes isn't easy yes. or lovely. No, um, it, sometimes it's, and it's shit. certainly, yeah. And look, it's certainly only looking back now in retrospect. I think you know those. Sometimes I do miss those days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even though they were hard, but only because I think I am in a position 
where I am now. Yeah. I can look back and go, oh, you know, those cuddles were amazing or, you know, it, it wasn't that bad being up all night <laughs> type thing. Yeah, it's fine. At the time, you just, yeah, <laughs> at the time you just think, oh, my goodness. You know, and, and I had a lot of support. My mum my and dad are very supportive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, would help me out with anything that I need. But, you know, still majority of the time on, on my own. Yeah, it's um, very tough. It is tough, I think, and certainly not just not just that thing. If you know, if you want to thinking of, but if, you know, if you are a single parent or thinking about, you know, becoming one, it's you know, it, everything is you, yeah. physically, mentally, financially, even. You it's know, you've got all those all those things um, you need to take into into consideration. Definitely. What about the positives though? What, what's been like some of the highlights for you and that have made you go, I'm so glad I did this. Oh, just, like just hands down, just having my son. Yeah. He is, he is amazing. Um, you know, even when there are bad days, you can still find the good in them. Yeah. But he's so lovely. He makes me laugh all the time. He's just so lovable. Um, like I love being a mum. Yeah, that's definitely a positive. It's just just having having a child just to hold that's your own, you know. And you can look at look at them and go, you know, I made that. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And are you back um, at work now? Yes, I just went back to work two months ago. Um, so I work four days a week, just in time um, to for coronavirus. <laughs> just if I have a coronavirus and I work in a hospital, yes, it's in lots of fun. Oh gosh. Um, and he goes to daycare four days a week. Amazing. Um, You're amazing to well. be at the hospital and Thanks. <laughs> doing everything that you do. Along so, with, you know, starting back at work after being off for so long, that in itself is a huge transition. Yeah, look, I was very, like I said, I, I kind of really like thought about thought about it. But when I have a child, I want to have as much time off as I could. Yeah. So I was lucky. And then my work gives me maternity leave. You know, you get the Centrelink paid parental leave. Then I got long service leave on top of that. Yeah. And then they used some more annual leave. So the whole time I was off for 16 months. So the whole time I've been off work, you know, I've been getting some sort of income and wage. So good. Um, yeah. So I was, I've been very lucky in, in that respect. Um, yeah. I think another positive for me is just um, like friendships, I think, has a really positive part of having a child um I was lucky there was like six of my really good friends and we all had ended up having a baby within three months of each other wow that's incredible yeah <laughs> oh my gosh. yeah so um I definitely think some of my friendships have been strengthened through having a child yeah. and it's brought me closer it's brought, it's brought us like we're already good friends but it was closer closer together um you know I still have one friend who messages me every single day um without fail to see you know how I'm going how my day is how Teddy is going has he had a good day um so yes I really feel supported supported in that respect as well um but I think in saying that as well certainly you know my life has changed dramatically since having a child and there are certainly friendships now that I really have to work on yeah, um, and work to stay connected. I think it's very, it can be very easy to lose touch with some people after you have a child. 
And I do try to keep in mind that like my child is like my whole world and my life, but I try and keep some perspective as well. There's other things going and especially, on too. Yeah. Especially other things going on for other people that, that don't have children. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely, you know, had to work on friendships with people that you know, don't, don't have kids mm. and that, you know, this baby bubble isn't their life. And so just trying to stay connected to them as well and, you know, take an interest in what they're doing in their lives as well. I feel like it's That's important to me to, to try and do that as well because for so long I didn't have a child and a lot yeah. of my friends did. So, you know, I really try and work on that as well. It sounds like you're an amazing friend and you've got a bunch of amazing friends around you, which is really good. Really, I really do. Good. I mean, I've been very blessed I've been very blessed in that respect. Um, but even for Mother's Day, I've got a group of friends and my first Mother's Day, they all got together and bought me some really special gifts um, and then they did it again this Mother's Day as well. So um, nice. You know, it's their, it's their day too, but, you know, they're still thinking of me and thinking of Teddy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've 100 million percent been blessed um, in that respect friendship-wise. Yeah, it's brilliant. Well, Lisa, to finish up, do you have any advice for anyone that might be thinking about going down this path? Um, I think just trust your instincts. If you want to do it, I, I won't lie, like I said before, it's, it's hard work. It was a huge mental shift for me. Um, you know, financially it can certainly be hard as well, but it, it's a hundred million percent worth doing. Having a child has brought so much richness and love into my life. Um, you know, it's something I didn't really think that I was missing, but he's made my life a million times better. And I had a pretty good life beforehand. Yeah. Um, I think do, do your research or don't <laughs> like, like me, <laughs> just sort of go into it. Um, but just know, even though it's, it can be incredibly hard. I think it's all, it's all worth it. It's worth it in the end. Um, like I said, I think when I was pregnant, um, I didn't know about, you know, Facebook groups and Instagram um, people that are, are, are all doing this. There's a whole big community out there. So I would say, you know, tap into that if you're wanting some support or wanting to, to ask questions to people as well. Yeah. Um, and so if anyone wants to ask me any questions, I'm always very happy to, <laughs> to try Fantastic. and answer them as best I can, as best I can as well. But I think also just keeping in mind that everyone's journey is unique as well. Yes. And my experiences aren't necessarily the same as, as somebody else's. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. And do you feel, sorry, one last question. Yeah, no, go for it. Do you feel like now that you've had a child and you are 35, do you feel like you have less pressure in terms of finding a partner? Do you even want to find a partner? Like how do you feel like, has that taken any pressure off you? Do you, do you sort of feel like, oh, well, if I meet someone one day, does it matter when that is? I don't know. Like how, you know what I mean? Has that yeah. changed anything? I guess I've never felt pressured to find a partner. I've always been very comfortable and happy. Like when I've been by myself, just very happy as I am by myself. I mean, most of my friends are partnered or or married. Um, I don't feel the pressure as such. 
I think a lot of people want me to go out there and date. But I mean, what um, I mean is like, has that, is that gone because you've got a child now? Like, did you uh, maybe feel pressure before to meet someone so that you could have a child now that you have um, one? Like, has that taken away look, pressure? I would, I would say for me, probably, I'd say probably not, to be honest. I always knew I would have a child regardless. Yeah. So finding a partner to have a child was not really a priority for me or anything that I had, had I love thought that. about. I love that. It's yeah. like you're, you're not letting the norms and, like, traditions of society run you and run your life, yeah. you know. You're running no. your life. You're in charge of it. You're like, man or no man, I don't care. I'm having a baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I've, I've, I guess I've always kind of, yeah, just kind of been, been that way. It's fantastic. Um, yeah. No, I'd say, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I just do what I want to do. <laughs> it's so good. I love that attitude. I think I, think I, have, I have friends that would like me to get out there and start dating again um, and think it would be good for me. Um, but it's also hard as well. I like to live, I feel like, if, if, I think if you looked at my life and the way it is now, people would, I think, overall say, you know, you're coping really well. You know, you do such a good job. But I also think I do, my life is that way because I try and keep it as simple as I possibly can. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to go on a date or to have someone else come into our lives, I guess, I guess for anyone you've got to sort of weigh up, is that worth potentially for me the complications that it would cause? Yeah. And the simplicity of my life would be gone in a way. Mm. so that's something I I will need to consider I'd need to consider as well I feel like we're in a good place now we've got a good routine going I'd be hesitant for anything to come in there come in and yeah no I can mess that up for us I I completely understand that yeah (laughs) completely Oh, Elisa, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thank you thank for you, sharing Julia. your story. And like I said, thank you for being so honest. It's just so refreshing. I love it. Thank you. No, no problems at all. I've, I've enjoyed having a chat. <laughs> yes, me too. I hope you have a wonderful day. I will. You too. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Lisa, that was amazing. Thank you so much for coming onto the show and sharing your story. As I you know, said a couple of times during that. And again, after we recorded, thank you for your honesty. You know, that takes guts. That takes guts to say what some people are thinking, but they don't want to say. And that is parenting is hard. And sometimes you might go, what the fuck have I done? What have I done? Like what happened to my easygoing life when I'm hanging out with my girlfriends, drinking some G&Ts in the bar, not thinking about, not having to deal with any of this stuff. You know, it's madness. Um, At the end of the day, we love our children so much and we all know that. You know, we love them, we love them, we love them. There's no way we would change anything in the world about having children. No one, no one's saying that, you know, I want to have more, even though sometimes I feel like I'm actually losing my mind. But to me, parenthood and my daughter is, you know, the most important thing in my life. And it just brings me so much joy and reward. And I think it's, um, yeah, having children is just something that I would never really regret 
Oh, just it's amazing, isn't it? Anyway, Lisa, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think you're incredible. And um, if anyone has any questions or wants to get in touch with Lisa, you can find her on Instagram. She is at Teddy, T-E-D-D-Y, and then another T underscore and me. And obviously I will put that link in the show notes as usual. I'm sure she'd love to hear from you if you have any questions about becoming a single mother by choice or anything like that. I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can send me an email to julia at singlemothersurvivalguide.com or you can connect with me on Instagram or Facebook at Single Mother Survival Guide. If you wanted to check out some of the other episodes of the podcast, the other 198 episodes of the podcast or read the blog, just head on over to the Single Mother Survival Guide website, which is www.singlemothersurvivalguide.com. And on the website, there is also a link on the homepage to join the Single Mother Survival Guide support forum, which is a Facebook group for everybody to connect with each other. Don't forget, I've been working on something super secret and super exciting, and I cannot wait to share it with you. I will be talking about it, I think, in two weeks. So episode 201, I will be revealing all, and I can't wait. I'm super, super excited about that. So stay tuned. As I mentioned at the start, if you have enjoyed this podcast, I would absolutely love for you to rate it in iTunes or whichever app you listen in on. And if you have a few minutes, even writing a review would be absolutely amazing and always puts a smile on my face. I get notified when they come in from around the world. Whenever, Wherever you are in your country, you can only see the, the reviews that people have written in your country. So, you know, it always puts a smile on my face when I see the Aussie ones and then to get notified about the ones from overseas, it just, it makes my day, you know, it really does. It, it means the absolute world, as I mentioned at the start. And um, yeah, puts a smile on my face and also helps single moms find the podcast. So thank you so much. It would mean the world if you could leave one for me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day or evening, depending on where you are and when you're listening and I look forward to speaking with you next week. Okay, bye for now.